listening to Hope Signals with Mark and Susan Mason, the podcast of Life on the Verge Ministries. Hope Signals is a podcast where we offer practical principles and motivational insights aimed at helping people navigate their hopes and dreams. All right. Well, it's been a minute since I was able to do a podcast. Uh, We finally got down here to Florida and settled. I got things hooked up in the RV. I apologize for any ambient noises in this podcast, but this is going to be Rescuing Joy Part 3. Just by way of announcement, let you know what we're doing. We start our prison tour tomorrow. We'll be at Madison Correctional in Madison, Florida, and uh, then we move on from there. I think we've got about 10 scheduled, and so do keep us in prayer. Support us if you're able, and uh, but let me, let me try to give something back to you today. I, I try to share what's going on in my own heart, you know, and this is going to be Rescuing Joy Part 3. If I think that what's going on in my heart may be going on in other people's hearts and minds, and and I could offer some insight into what I'm seeing, Um, I woke up this morning and I read Psalm 86 verse 17 says, Give me a sign of your goodness that my enemies may see it and be put to shame. For you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Uh, The English Standard Version, instead of give me a sign of your goodness, says show me a sign of your favor. I, I, I find that fascinating. That This is David. You know, he, Now, he's not, I guess it was the Pharisees, they were you know, condemned by Christ for asking for a sign to prove who he was. That's not what David's asking for. Matter of fact, David is praising God all through Psalm 86. And then he says, show me a sign of your favor. You know, I like to look at it this way. God, let me see your fingerprints. Let me see your engagement in my life. Because, man, that will generate joy. That's what we're talking about is rescuing joy. And there's no doubt that joy is under assault in in the day and age that we live in. Um, But still, joy in many ways is a choice. And it's tremendously affected by the voices that we choose to listen to. If I get up in the morning and I go immediately to the news and I read all the news stories and all the bad things happening in people's lives on social media, and there are bad things happening every day, uh, terrible things, horrible things, heartbreaking things, uh, it could affect my joy quotient. Now, that's not to say that we ignore the bad things that are going on around us and, and that we don't have compassion for people going through trials and we live some happy, clappy life like, you know, I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord. I mean, that may be true, but let's face it, we're emotional creatures and, and our emotions can be very manipulated uh, if we overexpose ourselves to the bad news and we don't expose ourselves enough to the good news. I mean, even in the midst of it all, Jesus said... Uh, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So we face trials of many kinds. The word says that. Uh, And there's a time and a season for everything under heaven. Ecclesiastes tells us that there's good times, bad times, but I want my default mode to be joy. When I look at what Paul said in Philippians, and I'm pretty sure he wrote this from a Philippian jail. He said in verse uh, four of chapter four, rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. 
Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I read the whole thing because, man, that is worth a regular meditation and study. There's so much right there. But he begins with, look, rejoice. And again, I'll say rejoice. Then he addresses this idea of anxiety. Don't be anxious about anything because anxiety, worry, fear, doubt, these are all joy killers. Sin is a joy killer, especially when we start thinking that we're saved by our own righteousness. We fall under a condemnation that doesn't come from God, by the way. Um, he doesn't come to condemn us. He comes to draw us close and to cover us. You know, think about the story of the prodigal son, right? Uh, um one of the first things the father did was drape a robe around his nasty, dirty son who had returned home to cover all of that. And that's what we have in Christ Jesus. Another, that's another, another sermon, another topic. We're talking about joy, but sin uh, can rob us of joy if we let it uh, turn into condemnation, if we don't repent, of course. But once we repent, once we you know admit, look, I, I, I fell, I, I fall short, um, now I look to Jesus, the author of my and finisher of my found uh, of my salvation. Man, that's a, a good promise, isn't it? He that began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Let's go back to that word Paul uses, the word rejoice in the Greek. Uh, a word study set, uh, says that me it defines it as leaning towards um, to properly delight in God's grace to experience God's grace or favor. Now, when I saw that, it was like, well, that kind of locks up with what David was praying, show me a sign of your favor. Uh, listen, again, there's legitimate reasons to, ha to have anxiety, to have uh, worry and fear that, that creep up on us. I mean, right now, I, I've got a great friend. Matter of fact, if you've heard uh, our song, High Cost of Low Life Living, um, I get the blues. There's some great horn work on there. Uh, that's by my friend Ed Mayna, who's currently on oxygen uh, with pneumonia from COVID uh, in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Pray for Ed, man. That causes some anxiety in my heart about Ed. I love him. He's a dear friend and servant of the Lord. Um, another person I don't know real well, but used to go to church with, his wife uh, just gave birth to their baby, and she is in a coma from COVID. Had to had to give birth to the baby, and then she went straight into the ICU, and she is on the verge of life or death right now. Um, read this morning that two children were killed in a house fire in Chesterfield, and they're connected to the church that we go to. Even something that seems trivial, the loss of our three dogs. This is the first time that we've been on the road without dogs. As a matter of fact, it's the first time that we haven't had a dog in 23 years. And that's that leaves a weird, it's really strange. And it's bothering, you know, it, it, it impacts both my wife and I, but my wife is really, really struggling with the uh, lack of that emotional attachment of a pet. So we're, we're looking at changing that. But I'm just saying that there's legitimate reasons. There's things we go through, loss of loved ones, and, you know, that cause us to grieve. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, but the underneath of it all, you know, we want to have a foundation of joy that goes deeper than this life, all right? Um, we have to have the same kind of joy that Jesus had, right? It says in Hebrews 12, 2, that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. 
He was looking to a joy on the other side of all that pain and agony, the redemption of mankind, the joy set before him, uh, the awareness of God's grace and favor. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, it, that, now that follows, by the way, that's from Hebrews 12. In Hebrews 11, it gives us this whole long list of characters uh, in the Bible that uh, you know did things by faith, and it says that, we, matter of fact, we call that chapter the Hall of Faith. It's a very inspirational chapter of the Bible. It says in verse 13, All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. He has prepared a city for them. So we have to look beyond the trials of this life. Day to day, the major life changes. All the things that come in and assault joy. If our joy only goes this life deep, it's no wonder that we easily lose it. But if we'll look into the eternal. We'll look at what comes beyond this life. Our life is a vapor waiting to pass. And we should, well, let, let's talk about this for a minute. Okay, first off, you can't have that kind of looking, you know, having a joy that comes from looking beyond your last breath if you don't have faith. And so joy comes from faith. Where does faith come from? It comes from hope. So to have hope, which leads to faith, which leads to joy and awareness of God's presence and favor, we need to know that God is there, that God is faithful, that God is involved, right? So here's the catch. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith without works is dead. The word tells us that. When we look at, at Jesus, many times he said, or at least several times, he said things like, when Jesus saw their faith, like when the four friends dropped the paralytic through the roof. Um, when Jesus saw her faith, people did something. And we're not saved by good works, but for good works. So we've got to do something by faith if we want to see God move. And when we see God moving in our life, when we see God's fingerprints on our efforts, when we see God establishing our steps, it generates an awareness of his grace and his favor, and we get a joy that goes deep no matter what circumstances we're facing in this life. We know that God is with us, and that generates joy. That rescues joy. Okay, now I want to get to a little bit of practical application, okay? In my life, whenever, you know, I, I'm somewhat of an artist, I guess, but when I try to write a song, Man, I try and I try and I try and I try, and you go through so much junk. You write, you write so many crappy lyrics and and uh, you know just cliche stuff. But when you got to go through all of that sometimes before finally a diamond arises, you have a song, and you'll hear people say things like, "Man, that song came in five or ten minutes." I've had that happen multiple times. But I had to apply myself to the craft of songwriting to see, finally, 
a, a somewhat of a diamond <coughs> arise. Uh, but when that happens, I immediately feel the favor of God that he let me do something. He let me express a, 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 a big statement or, or a big concept. He let me express that with just a couple of verses, a chorus, and a bridge. You know, wh when I'm able to do that, it generates a joy and awareness of God's grace and favor. So my proposition for you in a practical sense of what I'm talking about here is that when we create things by faith for the glory of God, uh, we, we open up an avenue to see God's grace and favor, which generates joy. I hope I'm making sense here. We were born to create. We, our Father is a creator. We're made in His likeness and His image. Now, you don't have to be a songwriter, okay? For me, when you think of art, art can—well, think about uh, Trump's book, um, The Art of the Deal. He's talking about business. Um, not a, a political statement there, by the way. Get off my case. All right. But art is anything that we create— a new idea or a new take on an old idea. When we do that with the, you know, the mind, the wisdom, the things that God has given us, and we do it for His glory and for the love of others, um, then we we open up an avenue to see God's fingerprints. But it takes faith to create, doesn't it? Because people might not appreciate our creation. Our creation may fall flat. That's just part of the process. And and so when we fail at putting something together again, it can. Be, I've got a friend that uh, recently uh, started a church a few years ago, and and they've just changed gears and they've changed the name of the church and they've relaunched the church. They they're they're learning hopefully better ways to express uh, or to do. What, what God has given them to do, the ideas that God has given them to do. And to me, that that's art, okay, when, when we create. And so I think it's incumbent upon us, if we want to see God moving in our life, we should be steadily creating things. It could be creating opportunities for other people. It could be writing a song or, or painting something. But we were born to create, and we should create. We shouldn't wait around to get inspired to create. Listen, there's a lot of things out there, a lot of books out there I've read that talk about that, the danger of that. You know, I've got writer's block. No, you don't. You're just writing crap. But sometimes you got to write crap or organize crap, you know, whether it's, again, whether it's a business idea or uh, it's a, you know, art, art idea in the sense of, you know, painting or, or poems or, or music or whatever. You've got to go through all that, even when you feel like you've got, quote, writer's block, which is often just an excuse. Seth Godin said this. He said in his book, uh, The Practice, your work is too important to be left to how you feel today. On the other hand, committing to an action can change how we feel. If we act as though we trust the process and do the work, then the feelings will follow. Waiting for a feeling is a luxury we don't have time for. Listen, if you're lacking in joy, ask yourself, when's the last time I stepped out to create something by faith for the glory of God and the service of others? And that is, that's key right there, okay, is that a lot of times you hear people say, well, I just, I write for myself and if people get something out of it, great. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think that for creation or art, whatever that may be, again, 
don't don't just define that as you know poems and songs. We're talking about any idea that you begin to implement, that you begin to you know put together the pieces and start. Uh, that thing does not become, uh, well, I think it's Seth Godin that said, art does not become art until we ship it, until we get it out there. So when we come at it from a mindset that says, you know, first off, I need to ask the question, who is this for? Now, most of us, you know, oh, this is for the glory of God. Okay. But we really have to think, what people is this for? Who Who is my target audience here? And we can say that it's for everybody. That's fine. But, but this podcast is, is an example of art, okay? It's an example of something that I've tried to put together, tried to create with the hope of helping someone. Who? Who is it for? Well, it's for people that are looking for, you know, biblical ways to uh, unpack the potential that God's put in them. And he does that often through dreams and visions and ideas. How do I unpack that? How do I walk that out? That's what it's for. And so this is a practical application of how to rescue joy by being who God made you to be. And, and that is he created us to be creatures that create. It takes faith to create, but joy is rooted in faith, isn't it? We want to see, we want to have an awareness we want to see God's favor. We want to see God establishing our steps, but we can't see God establish our steps if we don't take them. So by creating, by stepping out, by shipping, that's the word that Seth Godin use, uses, that, that uh, art doesn't become art until you put it out there, until you ship it. Um, and then, you know, again, it, it may work, it may not, uh, but we do it anyway by faith. And there's been many times when I've created something that didn't get... Let, let me give you an example. The book Thrival Mode, for example. It's not a, uh, a a New York Times bestseller, nor will it probably ever be. I don't know. I don't control outcomes. Often we only create if we think we have a guaranteed outcome. And where's the faith in that? So I wrote the book in the summer of 2019, and it is had a tremendous impact on a few people that they've come back to me and let me know. You know, I gave a copy of that book to uh, a man that was doing transmission work for me that I didn't even really know. I just gave it to him as a token of appreciation. He, I gave it to him on a Friday. He called me on Monday and told me that the bad news was my transmission was going to cost $3,500. The good news was he read my book over the weekend and he went on for 30 minutes of how that book touched him and then told me he was going to give me the transmission. What? I had no control over that. What I did have control over is by faith, I could create something with the potential that God put in me to do that. And so asking that question, who's it for, is very, very important. It's for the glory of God, but it's also to serve other people. Which people? And uh, we've, we've got to answer those questions. And then another thing that uh, about art and creation that we've got to uh, talk about is what change are we trying to make? I mean, why create if you're not trying to cause change? That's what you put it out there. And it doesn't have to be this profound world, solve world hunger change. It can be, well, I, I wrote a, you know, peppy song just to lift people's spirits for a moment. Or I, you know, like Chick-fil-A, we didn't create the chicken, we only created the chicken sandwich. Well, why did they make the chicken sandwich? Is it going to change the world? 
well, maybe, maybe not, but it hopefully it will change people in that they come in hungry and they leave satisfied. So this change doesn't have to be profound. But we so let's summarize real quick. I'm trying to gather these thoughts for myself. Joy comes from an awareness that God is involved in your life, that He's there. You see His fingerprints. Now, that only comes through faith. As my friend Jimmy Bratcher has said, and I've quoted many times, faith is the currency of heaven. If we're going to do exchange with heaven, it's going to require faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith without works is dead. So that tells us we must do something. Even, you know, I, I hear the argument that we're not saved by works and all that, but the, you know, you'll hear people come from the other side and they'll say, well, you've got to do something to be saved. You've got to repent of your sins. You've got to confess your sins. You've got to confess Jesus as Lord. And so, I'm not going to get off on that tangent. So, joy is rooted in faith, and that is rooted in hope. I hope this thing works. What thing? The things that we create, the things that we generate. Why do we create them? Well, first, we create them for the glory of God. We create them for the service of others. Who is it for? And then, what change do I hope that this creation makes? Because, man, that's when joy slips into overdrive. You know, when I, when that man told me that about the transmission, I rejoiced in the fact that he just saved me $3,500. But more than that, I rejoiced in the fact, and I saw the evidence of God in that, when he talked to me for 30 minutes about how I just put some words on paper and it impacted his life and generated change in his life. Man, that's exciting stuff and it motivates you. It's one of the reasons that I journal, by the way, is I sometimes have to go back and read what God, you know, I'll make notes throughout my journal about this thing that happened with the transmission. You know, five years from now, I could be in a major downer and, and desperate for joy, not feeling God's presence, not feeling God's favor on my life, not feeling motivated to create anything, and go back and read that, and it'll lift my... I've, I've done it. I've journaled for 30 years, and I can go back and read those journals and see the, the peaks and the valleys, and if I'll read the peaks, man, it'll, it'll generate joy because I'm looking at, oh, well, there's God's fingerprints right there. You know, so we are born to create. We are made in the image and likeness of our Father who is a creator. We should be industrious people creating things for God's glory and for others by faith to produce change in the world. And again, that change does not have to be some profound... Well, of course, we want to see everybody come to repentance and, and that kind of thing. Um, and, and that should be an underlying... You know, But we, we can't save anybody, okay? We can only bring glory to God. We can only point people to God, and we should do whatever we can to do that. We should examine the gifts and the abilities that God has given us, the experiences that God has given us, and say, well, what, what can I create? What, what can I produce? What can I ship to the world that might create some positive change? And again, not solving world hunger necessarily, Maybe, maybe you're a businessman and you've got a small business and you simply want to bring some light into the world by doing your business according to biblical principles and, you know, uh, 
causing people to, you know, lift, have their spirits lifted when they come in to shop at your business or they do business with you. Maybe you are a songwriter and you want to write songs that don't, they're not all happy, clappy. Like I, I want to see people listen to this song with a frown and when it's over, they're going to have a smile. That's not necessarily uh, always the case. I think about Eric Clapton uh, and his song Tears in Heaven, for example. Uh, what you know, a tragic song uh, about what happened to his son falling out of a skyscraper and dying at four years old in New York City. Man, that that song, what it does is it resonates with people. It says, "I'm not the only one to people going through this thing." And so I'm getting off on another tangent about songwriting, but um, I'm simply saying that what we create doesn't always have to be. Um, this thing that creates a change from sadness to joy. Sometimes it can just be a comforting come alongside thing that we do, that you're not alone, that I feel your pain, that kind of thing. But that's really for you to examine, to lay out before you say, look, first off, if I'm, if I'm suffering from a joy deficit, I'm not feeling very joyful. Well, we've got to realize that it's for the joy set before us beyond this life. Um, that's, that's what Jesus got up on the cross for. And that's what we get up on the cross and crucify this flesh for, is for the joy beyond this life. Well, in order to experience that, I need to know in my heart that God is there. I need to see that eternity that he's placed in my heart, that sense that there is a life beyond this life. That takes faith. That comes from hope. And faith without works is dead. Uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So I've got to do something. The works he prepared in advance for me to do, Ephesians 2.10. I've got to do something to see God actively involved in my life. If, if I just sit around and, and worship Jesus... Uh, but don't do anything for other people. I'm failing at, at one of the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave us, to love the Lord our God with all our hearts, mind, soul, and strength, to love our neighbor as ourself. And so uh, we create. That's just one practical application of how we can unpack the works that God has given us. We are creators, born as creators from a creator, and born again to do good works, to create things that impact other people. Now, I love this thing. I'll conclude with this where David says, give me a sign of your, your goodness or show me a sign of your favor. He prayed that prayer. I have prayed that prayer. Uh, when we launched Life on the Verge, uh, there were a couple of people that I knew were great naysayers. Um, they were criticizing and thinking that what we were doing is foolish. I had one preacher, as a matter of fact, a fairly, fairly prominent preacher, who laughed and encouraged others to laugh along when he heard that we were living in a camper full-time. Um, it it, it, it kind of crushed me a little bit. I know I mean, he probably didn't mean, I don't know what he meant, to be honest, but it, it seemed kind of demeaning. And there was a couple of other fairly pragmatic people uh, that I knew you know, had said a few derogatory things about the foolish steps that we were taking. And uh, so, you know, this is, again, this is a, life on the verge is a creation. It's something that God allowed us to create. A ministry that didn't exist now exists. It's touched over 100,000 inmates uh, across the country, 
personally, we we and that's a conservative figure. These many years later, we're I think we're at nine years, ten years since I I took the first trip to Sturgis. Matter of fact, that's today. Uh, I was in Sturgis ten years ago, uh, doing something that would launch Life on the Verge. And so now I look back. We're a self-sustaining ministry. We're a debt-free ministry. God has surely vindicated us. And that's an important word because during that season when I was feeling like, oh my gosh, I have created something for other people to, sh and I've shipped it to the world. I've put it out there. We've got a website. We've got a, uh, a Facebook page. We're letting people know what we're doing. But on the other side of that, we're living hand to mouth. You know, I'm selling off things like my farm boss chainsaw uh, to, to, to buy groceries one time. Uh, we're, we're struggling but we're feeling like, man, God created us to do this. I mean, maybe we'll fall flat on our face. I've talked about that before, too, that <coughs> you've got to visit failure and go, well, I feel so strongly about doing this thing that even if I fail, I'll be glad that I did it. I at least tried. And we had, we'd already visited that. But it still hurt. And then I read the, I guess it's a parable, where Jesus uh, is talking about the widow that came before an unjust judge. And she demanded justice. And uh, she kept coming day after day. And Jesus said, even though the judge was unjust, he got so sick of her coming and bugging him that he finally said, I'm going to give her what she's asking for. And then he, he said, now, God's not an unjust judge. How much more will he grant justice to those that cry out to him day and night? Well, I did research on that, that scripture. And that word justice, one, one meaning of that word is vindication. And I began to pray, Lord, you know, vindicate us. Let let others see that we're not we're not idiots. That we are really trying to walk out what you put in front of us. Let your fingerprints be seen. Let your favor be seen on what we are doing. I still pray that prayer. But man, has he done that? You know, uh, I don't boast in me uh, this complete miracle. And only one example, but. My son just got his second gold record. Uh, they sent him a big plaque. He's making a darn good living as a professional musician. And uh, who knows where he'll go from here, but he's making a good living. Let me put it that way. Well, if we had not launched Life on the Verge, we would have not have created a platform for him to explore his calling and eventually walk in it. So certainly we don't take full credit for his success. He works his butt off. But that's just one way that God let us see his fingerprints. Does that create joy? Does that generate joy? Of course it does. Even in the face of trials and the agonies of this life, to know that God has shown me a sign of his favor, that he's confirmed my steps. But I had to create something. I should say we had to step out by faith with the hope that this thing's going to work, uh, with the realization that it might not but I, I, our motives, I hope, are at least right. We're doing this to serve other people, to create change for other people. Sometimes that change is to see someone come from the darkness to the light to receive Christ. Sometimes that change is simply like the atheist that was in a service of, of a couple of months ago who said, I just came to hear some music, um, but now I have some questions. Sometimes that change is just to give somebody in prison a reason to forget where they're at for a couple of hours. Uh, but 
to see God's favor, to see his fingerprints on our efforts, that generates joy. And so I've I know I've gone gone over time, but let me just recap so that I'm kind of trying to put these thoughts together for my own self too. And that is that if we're suffering from a joy deficit, we need to ask ourselves, well, where is my faith at? Is my joy only this life deep or does it stretch into what's before me on the other side of my last breath? In order to have that, I've got to have faith, which means I've got to have hope. And, and in order to see God's favor and to have an awareness that he's involved in my life, I've got to take advantage of the skills and the abilities and the experiences he's given me and do something, create something by faith and ship that thing out there and uh, feel strongly enough about my motives that even if it doesn't get you know great accolades, um, that it came from a heart that really wanted to bring glory to God and it wanted to bless other people. And if it falls flat, perhaps I just learn one more way not to do it and I come back better and build on what I've already done. Man, I hope that helps. I know it was all over the place. I know it went over time, but I finally got this podcast done. Praise God. Pray for us. We're going back to prison tomorrow and hopefully I'll be more regular with the podcast with a new series next week. Bless you. around the United States. You can help us by sharing this podcast, by partnering with us with a tax-deductible gift at lifeontheverge.com, or by even talking to your leader or pastor about having us come and minister at your church or your business.